Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. Well, this is um, this is going to be kind of a, a serious message today. We're going to be dealing with the issue of sin, um, but I'd like us to do something kind of fun, you know, something lighthearted to begin with. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person on your left, look at the person on your right, and th- just look all around the room and see all the people in here. And what I want you to do right now is take your right finger and point to the person who you think is the biggest sinner in this place. Ready, go. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Some of you I noticed pointed towards yourself. Some of you were pointing up here. I don't see anybody else up here. I, I don't know. <laughs> but listen, um, you know, sin is one of those things that... Um, it always, it always uh, is, is a struggle for us. It's, it's going to be a struggle as long as we're here alive on this earth. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the fact that God doesn't consider your happiness to be the most important thing. And that um, God, we, last week was God will never give you more than you can handle. And, and we talked about how that's not true and how we need to learn to depend on him. And then next week, we're going to talk about um, what we believe um, if it really matters or not. But this week, I want to talk about this idea that that it doesn't really matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Um, we sometimes have that idea that that it does if it doesn't directly affect someone else that it doesn't matter. When it, in reality, God actually cares about what we do because it affects who we are as a person. And God cares about us in that way, that he loves us that much, that he wants us to have something better than what the world wants for us. Um, you know, in the Bible, it talks about um, the unpardonable sin. If you've ever read that passage before, it's talking about blaspheme, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But in our culture today, we kind of have an unpardonable sin that's, that's like a more cultural thing, not so much a biblical thing. And uh, that's actually to call somebody else a sinner, right? If we point out somebody else's sin in our culture, that is one of the things that uh, is considered like the most awful thing that you could do. And and if you do that, then you're judging them and you're a horrible person and uh, you're the one that, that that's wrong and messed up. And we even bring that into the church sometimes. Right? When we're trying to help each other and we're trying to sharpen each other and encourage each other to, to live more like Christ. And, and if you say something to somebody else that, that maybe is, you know, corrective in, in some way, then you're judging them and you're wrong and you're a horrible person. But God doesn't want us to continue to just live in our sin and, and be captive to our sin and be caught in that sin. Um, and, you know, he does tell us that not to judge one another. We all struggle with different sins and different things, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to help one another get free from that sin. And really, that's the hope of what it's all about. Second Timothy 4.3 says this, For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Right? If somebody tells me something I don't like, then I'm just going to go to a different church where they won't criticize me so much. Or I'm going to listen to somebody who's going to tell me what I want to hear. How many would say that prophecy has definitely been fulfilled in our culture today? Right? Sin is a real issue. It's a serious issue with serious consequences that are tied to it. But not only that, if sin isn't dealt with, if sin isn't forgiven by God, then sin not only has earthly consequences, but it has eternal consequences as well. So I want to just break down three um, cultural misbeliefs about sin. And I want to take these apart um, slowly, one by one here. Uh, The first one is that I'm not a bad person. Now, how many of you have heard somebody say this before? Like, I'm not a bad person, right? Like, you know, compared to who? (laughs) Right? Isn't that really the question? When people are saying that, I'm not a bad person, what they're saying is, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, right? I'm not as bad as this person. They're, They're using that comparison. But when you compare yourself to a holy, perfect, and blameless God, then can you really honestly make that statement? In fact, here's what 1 John 1.8 says. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, right? We're not deceiving God because he's aware of us, but, but we do deceive ourselves. We compare ourselves to somebody else. We put ourselves on a sliding scale of sin, and we find ourselves in a better place than somebody else, and therefore, we're missing the point. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That seems like kind of a harsh statement, right? It seems like that's that's a little bit over the top, but that's really how God views sin. Let me ask a question here. Raise your hand if you've ever lied before. All right, now, is there anybody with their hands not raised because you just lied, okay? All right, all right, now keep them up if you've ever stolen anything before, okay? You know, you can put your hands down for a second. I want to just tell you a quick story once. Uh, I stole something at a very young age once we were in the supermarket, and I saw a grape sitting there. I was a little kid at the time, and I grabbed that grape, and I ate it, and my mom, being the wise parent that she is, decided to teach me a lesson, she made me actually go up to the, the cashier at the supermarket and confess my sin of stealing that I ate one of the grapes and that we didn't pay for it. And the cashier laughed at me. <laughs> she thought it was hilarious, by the way. But I mean, I was just so, I thought I was going to hell, okay? Because I ate a grape from the supermarket. Um, how many of you have ever lusted before? Yeah, see, nobody wants to raise their hands for that one, right? Like, um, but, I mean, if we were to be completely honest, like all of those things, I would say that, that we've all done that to some extent in some way. So, if you lie, then that makes you a liar, right? Yeah. And if you steal, that makes you a... And you know what? Jesus even said, if you lust after someone in your heart, then you're an adulterer. So, in this room, we have a bunch 
of lying, thieving adulterers. Welcome to West Point Church. All right. I hope you're encouraged this morning. <laughs> you know, Romans 3.10 says it even more bluntly. Right? This is what Paul says. He says, none is righteous. No, not one. Everyone sins. Right? Everyone struggles with this problem of sin. And we think that, like, you come to Christ, you place your faith in him, you commit to a new life in Christ, and now all that sin just goes away, right? Uh, most of us have been a Christian long enough to know that's not exactly how it works. Sin continues to be a problem. It continues to be a struggle. It continues to be something that we deal with. And so if we're in a place where we're saying, I don't need the grace of God, if we're in a place where we're saying, still, I'm not a bad person, then we just are not aware of where we stand in relation to the holiness of God. Now, I, I want to make one clarifying statement, and you've heard me say this before probably, but I, I want us to be careful that we don't take on the identity of a sinner, okay? Now, God has set you free. He's forgiven you. He's made you righteous. You don't have to, like, put that label on your life and claim that as your identity. You are forgiven, all right? That's your new identity. That's your hope. That's your life, and that comes through what Christ did for you. But that doesn't mean that, that we should be ignorant to the fact that, that sin is still a real struggle in our life and that we still have a problem, that we still need Jesus. We still need the Holy Spirit on a daily basis because it's going to be a battle and it's going to be a struggle for the rest of our lives. So the second one is second cultural misunderstanding is that all sin is the same. All sin is the same. Now, um, I will say this to begin with. All unforgiven sin will send you to hell, right? If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you haven't received his forgiveness, then it doesn't matter what degree of sin you've committed, all of it will send you to hell, right? It's only by his grace and by his forgiveness that we're saved. But not all sin has the same consequences. In fact, the Bible never teaches that, and that's kind of something that... that has become a thought or an idea in the church today that sin is just sin. But God really never said that all sin is the same. In fact, different sin has different consequences, right? Um, as I said, all sin, if unforgiven, leads to death. That's what Romans 6.23 tells us. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. But not all sin has the same effect on the, the way that we live our life. Um, I, uh, the other day, was, was driving my car, and I was on Highway 12, and I accidentally cut somebody off, and, uh, and I, I did what any, like, you know, passive Minnesotan would do. I gave the universal sign for my bad. Anybody know what that is? Like, like, <laughs> like my bad, you know, right? And uh, this lovely person responded in a slightly different way than, <laughs> than the, a gracious wave. He gave me a different kind of wave, okay? And then, um, you know, floored it past me. You know, I was, I was uh, just remembering, um, we, we do the Alpha course here, and, and in one of the videos, Nikki Gumbel, the, the creator of Alpha, shares his story about 
time he he was cut off by somebody and uh he he chased him down and pulled up alongside of him on his bicycle and and the guy that was driving the car um he's he's like yelling at him and, and you know like upset and, and reacting and uh the guy says nikki and he holds up his alpha manual <laughs> He's like, Nikki, you should really, you should really mind the traffic laws, and and all of a sudden he's embarrassed and he's like, okay, oh, so you go to Alpha, you know, how it changes your tone, how once once you get, see like somebody that that you know um, behind that wheel, it completely changes and transforms your attitude. What is it that happens to us behind the wheel of a car, right? That turns us into homicidal maniacs. Right? Like lovely Christian people. Like, I mean, they'll pray for your needs. Uh, they'll encourage you. They'll share the word of God with you. But you put them behind the wheel of a car and they turn into a monster. Right? Anybody else relate to that before? You know, um, while I was slightly offended by um, that gentleman's gesture, you know, a few weeks ago, um, it's one thing to like shoot somebody the finger. It's another thing to shoot somebody with a gun, right? Like those, those two actions have very different consequences, right? One might hurt my feelings. Another might take my life, right? So not all sin is the same. Not all sin has the same consequences. And how we live influences our consequences here on this earth. It influences our rewards in heaven. And ultimately, it can influence where we spend eternity if that sin isn't dealt with and forgiven. It's one thing to, to steal a grape from the grocery store. It's a, it's a very different thing to drive drunk and kill somebody. They have very different consequences, right? Um, you might even think like, okay, well, you know, I noticed the other day, I'm going to pick on Pastor Michael here for a second, like, Maybe you were like, oh, we had uh, the, the baked goods sale for the youth group, and he bought a lot of baked goods. And how many know gluttony is a sin, okay? <laughs> All right. Now, I know it was for missions, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, we, you know what? You, you can maybe, like, eat baked goods for the rest of your life, and we'd still probably allow you to be the youth pastor. But if we catch you smoking dope with kids in the parking lot, <laughs> that's a little bit different consequence, right? There are There are... There is a difference in the consequences of our sin, and, and we need to be careful of the way that we're behaving. Different sins have different effects and consequences. Uh, Luke 20, 47 says, The Pharisees devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive a greater condemnation. Okay, so... There's a, a greater judgment based on that sin. There's something in that that God sees as worse. Therefore, um, uh, this is John 19:11. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you, talking about Pilate, is guilty of a greater sin. I mean, sorry, Jude, he's talking about Judas, and he's saying this to Pilate. Um, 1 Corinthians 6:18 says. Run from sexual sin, for no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, right? So if we say it doesn't matter what I do, 
it does matter what you do because sin has consequences. And some sins have greater consequences than others. All right, the last one that I want to share with you is that uh, the idea that since I've already done it, I might as well keep doing it. Now, I'll be honest, this is not something that most people would say out loud, right? But when we rationalize our sin in our head, this is sometimes the excuse that we use to continue to sin. For example, somebody might say, well, I've already lost my virginity with sexual sin. I might as well keep on living the way that I want to. I've already blown it in that respect. Or I've already used drugs once. I might as well keep doing it. I've already cheated in a relationship. I might as well do it again. I've already crossed that line. Or I've already, I've already sinned in my heart, and so I might as well continue to view pornography. But here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound more? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, just because you've been forgiven by God and he's washed your sin away doesn't mean that you're free to live however you want. If you truly have surrendered your heart to Christ, you've truly repented of your sin, you've truly given your life to him, then everything that you do should be to pursue him more, to honor him more, to leave your past life in the past. Now we still struggle we still wrestle with sin. We still deal with things. And that doesn't mean that, that if you sin, you get hit by a bus, that you're going to hell. Right? I mean, that's something that, that, that people have believed. Right? That's something that, that people have bought into. That, that's not how God's grace works. Right? You didn't earn your salvation. Therefore, you can't earn losing it either. Does that make sense? Like, what you do is, doesn't take that away. But at the same time, if your commitment to Christ is real and genuine and you really mean it and your heart is right before the Lord, you will not choose to live that way. And if, if that's how you're viewing your relationship with God, then you don't have one. Is that blunt enough this morning? <laughs> right? If you, if you think that's how it works with God, then you don't understand God and you don't have a relationship with him. This is how important this is. When God comes into our life, when, when Jesus lives inside our heart, there's something transformative that takes place that we no longer want to live for ourselves anymore. And when we sin, we feel guilty about it, right? Because we know that's not who we are anymore. We've chosen something different. And if you've been able to shut off that feeling of guilt, then something is probably broken in your relationship with God. You know, uh, uh, something that I, I hear from time to time is, uh, you know, I just want to get to something a little bit deeper. I just want to, you know, study more or maybe, maybe you could talk about like the original language is a little more, Pastor Paul, like let's, let's get a little bit deeper. And I'm all for that. I love that idea. But I want us to understand something. Spiritual maturity is not about 
how much we know. Rather, it's more about how much we obey. Okay, so you can know all you want to know. You can understand the word of God. You can have knowledge and an understanding about his word. But if it doesn't change the way that you behave, then you are not maturing spiritually. Right? And so until we get to the point where we as a church are living the way that God has called us to live, right? We're going to keep talking about the basics. And, and guess what? We're, we're probably never going to get there. In fact, I'll, I'll say something right now. Most Christians in our culture today are educated well beyond their level of obedience. Okay, let me say that again. I just want, I want us to get this, to understand this. Most Christians in our culture today are educated well beyond their level of obedience. Right? We know more than we do. We know what the right thing is. Do we actually behave? Do we actually behave in a way that honors God? I, I uh, heard this quote the other day and thought it was really interesting um, said most miserable people, the most miserable people in the world today are not unbelievers. They're Christians who are continually living and stuck in sin. They know the answer, but they've yet to take hold of it. You know, I, I believe with all my heart in the idea of confessing sin. In fact, the Bible tells us to do that. But it's not so that God will love you more. It's not so that you'll be forgiven over and over again, that every time you sin, you need to confess so that you're re-forgiven. That's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, the book of James tells us to confess our sins to one another. Why? so that you may be healed. It's for your benefit. It's not for God's. You're not hurting his feelings when you sin. He's hurting for you. And when we deal with that sin, and when we confess that sin to one another, we find healing in that and bringing it to the surface and, and identifying it and saying, this is a struggle for me. Would you pray with me? And when you do that, then you can experience his healing. Sin is a progressive thing, right? It might start with one thing and lead to another. Maybe you start watching pornography and then it leads to greater sexual sin. Maybe you start stealing and then it grows into something greater, a greater crime of some sort. Maybe you start with a, a little lie and it grows into you being a perpetual liar. Maybe it starts with an innocent act of flirting and it turns into adultery. You know, sin hurts you and it hurts others and it kills our intimacy with God. And the farther that we keep going in that process, the more it hurts us and hardens our relationship with the Father. 
and it'll cost us more than we want to pay. Here's the good news, though. That was a little bit distracting. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I'm like totally lost now. Okay, here we go. Back on track. Back on track. <laughs> All right. Laugh in a serious moment. That's always good, right? Here's the good news for you. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, Jesus is a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. It doesn't end your relationship with him. He still wants to, to grow closer to you. It, that sin may be set up as a barrier, but Jesus wants to break through that barrier. And he loves you in spite of that sin. Here's the, here's the hope that we have. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I actually read this verse last week. No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God wants, you to, wants to help you through that process. There's no sin in your life that can't be overcome because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, I read this, this just a chunk of this verse a little bit earlier. We're going to read 1 John 1, 8, and 9. We read this first part already. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.